my money. Money. I get money from you. Money in the bank. Young money. Money, 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 money. It's the rich man's blood. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. World-renowned financial advisor and best-selling author Barry James Dyke will arm you with the truth. This is The Economic Warrior. Please note, the opinions expressed on this show are of the individuals who speak them, and not necessarily of Portsmouth Community Radio, its members, or board of trustees. We have a great guest on today. We have Joe Eppie. Uh, we're going to talk to him in Massachusetts, but uh, he's... Uh, one of the country's foremost experts on special needs planning, which is a great for all of us to know more about. Hey, Joe. Uh, well, welcome to New England. It's uh, it's uh, pretty hot up here. Is it like it is down in Florida? Uh, well, actually, I am in New England today. I am in Massachusetts. That's right. Yeah. At Mass Mutual's Learning Center for a sales manager's conference. And when I left my hotel to walk over here, they said, oh, you can't walk. It's too hot. And I said, no, I walk every day in this heat in a suit in downtown Fort Lauderdale, so I think this weather up here in New England is gorgeous. But, yeah, uh, right. Everybody right. thinks it's a little hot. All right, Joe. So anyhow, we're, we're great. Uh, we're glad to have you here uh, today, and uh, we want to talk about you know, Joe Epi and the Epi Group. And so, but could you just please first, because uh, I'm impressed with what you do, but could you tell me how you get started in doing what you're doing, uh, how your firm has grown, and who do you serve, and where did you grow up, and that type of thing, Joe? Sure, sure. So I grew up actually in a very small town called Canton, Ohio, which was the uh, town where the Pro Football Hall of Fame sits. And I grew up very privileged uh, in the car business. My grandfather actually started back in Canton in 1929 with a gas station on 300 hours of borrowed money because his family was very poor and he had to drop out of college. And there was a gas station vacant across the street. He finally convinced his father to take a uh, mortgage on his home for 300 bucks so he could open this gas station. The Great Depression saved my grandfather because people couldn't afford to buy a newer used car during the Depression, so they were repairing what they had and changing oil and buying used tires and stuff. And then he went in the Chevrolet business in 1955. He made a lot of money in a company that actually sold insurance. They sold credit life and accident health insurance and extended warranties for cars. They were the first one in the industry to do that. And he made a, an investment that turned into several million dollars by the time I was 10 years old at age seven, at, uh, in 1971. Wow. Um, I then went to Ohio State, graduated uh, with a degree in accounting, and eventually moved back to Canton with the vision of setting up the first auto mall in the United States. And um, our attorneys, unfortunately, failed to read the law, and the accountants didn't protect us. So... We bought five import franchises in Canton, Ohio, and when we went to move them, all the manufacturers said no. And the accountant didn't have his asset protected, so I went from being worth on paper north of $3 million and twenty-six with my wife to being broke by twenty-eight. because by the time we got these stores open, they were losing about 300 and some thousand dollars a month, and that's how you make money disappear. And I had to move back to Columbus and take a job and leave my family in Canton to sell the house and get rid of the pets and that kind of stuff. And... And then after bouncing around in the car business a little bit in Columbus, I actually got fired from a job right before they owed me a $340,000 bonus because it was employment at will and contract at will. And I was going to Florida on a vacation right before this happened anyway. So I went to Florida anyways and self-educated in asset protection planning and estate planning and went back to Columbus and sold cars for a year. And then I moved to Florida in 93 like the rest of the world to start over. Unfortunately, in January of 94, my mother-in-law got diagnosed with terminal lung cancer back in Ohio. 
and my wife was spending a lot of her time up there helping her mom die and I needed help in the house for my boys and staff in my practice which struggling and starting out and I had no money so I was cash advancing credit cards for everything when my mother-in-law died January of 98 as a 36 year old man I was 125,000 deep into credit card debt and my um November of that year, at the ripe old age of 37, I had my first three coronary stents. May of 99, one of my stents collapsed. I have a double bypass. I've had seven stents, a double bypass, and two heart attacks. What I can tell you I've learned in life is that it's easy to make money. It's tough to keep it. Um, yeah. The first time I had money, I wasn't making a difference in the world. I truly do that. If anybody checks out our website, theepigroup.com, you'll see all our philanthropic activity and stuff. But... Um, uh, I'm really more focused on creating financial literacy, not just in the special needs world, which we're going to talk about today, and solving the unemployment there, which is 85%. And I do know that the biggest problem we have in this country today is we've lost our ability to be kind to our fellow man. Amen. Until we get kindness back in the world, we're not solving any of our issues. And integrating the special needs population into competitive, integrated employment will go volumes towards teaching kindness in this country. But unfortunately, what happens to most of us is we graduate college, Barry, and and we start making mistakes with money because we don't know any better. And we get our second job, and the money's a little bigger, so we start making bigger mistakes. And it's typically by the third job, if you're one of the lucky few, you figure this out through the school of hard knocks, but for 84% of this country, we don't make enough money at that point to dig back out of those holes. But if you're literate to this stuff when you graduate college, it is um, very, very easy to get there if you do the right things from day one with your money. So we're working with Ohio State and the state of Ohio to try to change education a little bit and, and get you know financial literacy into the education system so that people come out understanding our products that we sell, you and I, and understand retirement plans and retirement planning and how mortgages work and how you buy a car and how health insurance works and auto insurance and everything that has to do with money that, unfortunately, they don't teach us anything about. They really, now, Joe, would you say that this is, I say we have more of an indoctrination system versus an education system? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like yourself, I, I'm pretty much self-taught. I mean, I, I read a lot, like yourself, and... Um, we don't really get the truth about money, do we, from the mainstream media or, or even well, from education? It's because the crisis put Wall Street, the Wall Street banks, and the federal government legally in business together. I mean, let's just take something as simple as a 401k plan. You know, Wall Street keeps telling everybody dollar cost average into your 401k <laughs> plan. Go right from your paycheck into the stock market. Well, explain to me how that makes sense. When people purchase goods and services, they always look for the best value they can get for what they want to buy. So why would they keep buying into their retirement plan at record high after record high? They're they're seeking out the highest price they can find. So what people need to do there is they need to take their money and put in a money market account going in where they can't be day traded with their money. And then when the market does have a decline, then you go into your your investments. But today, I think it's, it's, you know, what what could, Barry, what do you think is left on the upside of the stock market today? Uh, only God knows, Joe. As you right, know, but let's say there's ten percent. Do you think any of us are going to be smart enough on that day to go up worth the high amount? No. So when there's a correction, you're going to lose that and more. And you know, after a correction, typically we come back up, but you don't get immediately back to where you were. So for my clients that have money in retirement, plan substantial money, I've got them running to guaranteed accounts today and just calling time out from the market. Because if your money's there that you have today, plus 1%, 2%, 3%, 4%, 5%, 
10% growth, whatever, after a market correction, even if you don't get right back in and you only pick up 20% growth on the way back up versus 30 that you typically get, well, you're still way ahead of the game, right? Even if someone is younger and has $100,000 already put away in their retirement plan, if that drops to 70 and then comes back to 91, well, if they had 101 in their plan and they picked up 20% on that, they're at 121. I, I just don't understand how anybody's ever going to do better from 91 than they are going to do if they're at 121. So I just think that, you know, we're, we've got such uncertainty out there right now that it's time to play defense because, you know, there's well, the one thing we know that real estate markets and stock don't like is uncertainty. And we've never had more of it in this country than we have right now. You know, you know, Joe, the statistics are, you know, and this is not me, but um, if you look at the statistics, you know, um, the in Vanguard actually did an analysis of, uh, in, of Morningstar data, and they found that the people's exposure to the stock market, okay, is higher than it was in 1999-2000. It's higher than it was in 2007-2008. And today it's higher than it was then. So is it does it somewhat seem to be somewhat of a repeat uh, of these prior uh, bo- uh, booms and busts? What do you think? I think so. I, look, everybody knows we're going to have a correction. All the experts, you know, we, nobody knows when, but markets always correct. Everything is cyclical. You know, everybody yeah. talks about, oh, the president's doing this. And I don't care who the president is. You know, any administration we look at, the economy is cyclical. And the president doesn't really have a lot to do with the stock market. It's earnings that drive the market. Yeah. Now, yeah. so any event, so, Joe, you've developed a special uh, uh, niche in, in, the, in the financial advisory piece, which is mm-hmm. – uh, which is uh, I'm fascinated about it because uh, – about special needs. How, how did that all come about? So it, it came about being a desperate new insurance agent. So in 1993, when I got in the business, the first year I was in the business, I got approached by a referral from one of my clients, and that was the year they put the special needs trust into the law. And so this woman calls me up and says, I have a son with autism, and I need to do a special needs trust for my son. And I said, a special needs what? I had never heard of this. So I did some homework, and I found out that there's a rule out there that if someone has an intellectual or developmental disability barrier and they're left more than $2,000 or more in assets, they lose their federal benefits. And there we're talking about Medicaid, which is their health insurance. SSI, when they turn 18, is supplemental security income that they're entitled to if they can't work. And MedWaiver, which is got various names state by state, but it's basically a benefit program that will provide respite care and some therapies and all this stuff funded by, through the states. You know, all benefits are federally funded, but state administered, so they're Mm -hmm. a little different state by state, but the money all comes from the federal government. And those programs all disappear. And with Medicaid, same thing with when you're you're older, we have a five-year look back. You can't just give all your assets away and then go into a nursing home the next day under Medicaid. So there's a five-year look back on that stuff. So if someone has an intellectual or developmental disability and they're left $2,000 or more in assets, first they have to spend that money below $2,000, and then five years later their benefits kick back in. That's why a lot of people with cognitive uh, intellectual and developmental disabilities are living in the streets. And it's very unfair how we treat the disabled in this country. So they have to use this special trust called a special needs trust. And what that does is it protects the assets and the benefits. These trusts come in two flavors, first party and third party. So first party trusts are what we call a D4A Medicaid reimbursement trust. And those trusts, um, when the individual with a disability passes away, first the government has to be reimbursed for any benefits that they've outlaid before it can go to any other beneficiaries. 
with the third-party trust, which is the preferred trust to use, it's someone else setting it up on behalf of the person with a with a disability, and those trusts, the trustee is strictly prohibited from reimbursing any federal or state entity, and the money goes wherever the trust says it, a charity, family members, wherever. So um, they have to use this trust, and the great thing about special needs trusts is no harm, no foul, because I believe every trust drafted for someone under the age of 65 should have provisional special needs language in it, or, or one slip, one fall, one stroke away from being disa- disabled ourselves, one accident. When I had my uh, heart attack in um, in uh, 2008, the plaque went down and shut off an artery at 95%. Had the plaque gone up, I would have had a massive stroke, and if I would still be alive today, I'd be permanently disabled. So if you don't need the trust to function as a special needs trust, it functions like any other trust. The only reason it needs to function as a special needs trust is to protect the benefits. So um, what happened is I started that, and this is a very loyal space, so I helped this woman, and then she started referring to me. And then in 2003, Mass Mutual reached out to their field and said, who do we have that's got knowledge in special needs? And they found three of us nationally. That was it. So they flew us up to home office, and we created a plan with uh, Easter Seals and Exceptional Parent Magazine and people from home office and a few of us agents. And then we crafted a curriculum, which was a special care planning program at the American College that was exclusive to Mass Mutual. And for seven years, I went around the country pro bono teaching that for Mass Mutual and other agents, more on the planning side, not the you know, with other professors from the American College. And then in 2011, the American College decided they wanted to create a chartered special needs consultant designation. Uh, which exists today, and in 2014 that was launched, and so now you know, all carriers have it. And and um, but I would say you know Mass Mutual's program is by far uh, the most developed in the country. And um, we recently acquired MetLife, who had MetDesk, which was probably the you know right up there with Mass's program. So now they're one and the same. So um, you know we have lots of resources for our clients and stuff. And actually, my youngest son Craig is who heads up our special needs planning division now that I'm off uh, working on some national projects and stuff. So he's more on the day-to-day stuff, and um, he's just an incredible young man. And uh, we uh, couldn't be more proud of him and the work he's doing and, and making a difference for him. Because, you know, Barry, I don't care if we're talking about special needs or we're just talking about general planning for people, but the reality is, and this just keeps being brought home to me day in and day out, the reality is that when the doctors can't fix an illness or an injury and it, and it results in a permanent disability or a premature death, God forbid, there's only one thing that lets a family go on with dignity, and that's what we do in the insurance and financial service industry. We are in the most noblest of professions that exist. <laughs> nothing makes a difference to that family when, when these disasters happen, and they will continue to happen, right? And so... You know, this this industry is truly, truly making a difference, a huge difference in the world. And unfortunately, you know, the public doesn't necessarily always see it that way. <laughs> you know, but, but really, nothing else matters. You know, I've never heard this from a client. Um, what type of policy is that death benefit coming from? Or <laughs> this is too much money, can you take some back? You know, the, the old adage is that if every wife and husband knew what every widow or widower knows, we would never have to sell life insurance. Yeah. Right? But, uh, you know, unfortunately, is like everything, you know, uh, greed ruins everything, and, you know, there's bad eggs in every industry. 
Yeah. And um, that's why, you know, guys like you and I are out trying to fight the good fight. And, you know, one of the techniques that, and i, I got to give my younger son, you know, I always think outside the box, and I taught my, my kids to think that way, and they're both in the business. And um, And my youngest son comes to me one day, and he says, Dad, why can't we do whole life insurance in these special needs trusts on a sibling? Because you see, one of the big issues with these special needs trust barriers, they're taxed at the highest tax rate of the day because they're an irrevocable trust. Oh, so therefore, they do, they do have a high rate, huh? Yeah, so you have to be very careful on the assets that are in there. Well, you know, you, you, there's two ways to fund these trusts. Assets, hard assets, go in, and that's dollar for dollar. You use life insurance. Well, life insurance is obviously much more economical to fund these trusts. The problem is when the parents are gone, the death benefit's in the trust. Now, how do you get it back out of the trust tax efficiently? But if we have a policy in that trust on a sibling, then the sibling, as you know, with whole life insurance, you can take the money out tax-free and more than once with a non-direct rec whole life policy. So therefore, you know, we can get multiple flows out of these trusts tax-free. Well, that's really crucial because in 1950, you know, as you know, trusts are taxed at the highest tax rate of the day, plus 12 past $12,500 of income That's because right. they were put into play, the wealthy tried to skirt taxes down to lower generations. So the IRS said, no more tiered tax system for trusts. It goes to the highest rate. Well, in 1950, that was 90% on upper-end income. Well, that would be true with trust today if that's the rate. Today, it's only 37%, but still, that's a big number. And so you have to be very, very, very careful what... Um, how you fund these trusts. We only have one annuity contract that has private letter rulings from the IRS that won't disqualify benefits and still can provide a lifetime income to age 115, even if the account value exhausts. And it's got, you know, like I said, patents and private letter rulings on this contract. But, you know, the thing is, is that special needs planning barrier is not optional. It's just not. And therefore, Everybody needs to do it that has a special needs situation. The problem is for these parents, the information's not out there. And that's why organizations like ours work and survive and thrive because, you know, this information is crucial. There's no do-overs with any planning. But with special needs planning, when you need it, the parents are dead and gone, and there's no fix. So it's got to be right on the front side, like all planning, you know. Yeah, so you get, you know, the whole thing is kind of, the Epi Group is, is a family, all in the family business now. You have uh, your, uh, was it Craig and then Sam is the one I've dealt yes. with? Yes, so Sam, Sam um, is the older of the two boys. He's 32, and he is the father of my two amazing grandsons. And, um, and then my younger son is single, Craig. And then my wife, Fran, is the director of operations. And uh, the other person on the management, so the management team is Craig and Fran and Sam and um, Mary Vezzi, who is a uh, like a daughter to me. And uh, very, very, uh, there's a great book out there. It's called Above the Line by Urban Meyer. And I know he's had some bad press lately, but you know, leave that off to the side. All I can tell you is I've read the book and it was the greatest leadership book I ever read. And it enabled me to turn my practice over to my management team. Um, I highly recommend all your all your listeners read that book. And, and speaking of books, the other three books I recommend you highly read is Pirates of Manhattan, Pirates of Manhattan, Return to Serfdom, and Barry's Guaranteed Income book. That book, Guaranteed Income, would be the first one I would read. And I got to tell you, that book will open your eyes to see that, you know, every company's pension plan that you can think of these are annuities and whole life insurance. And they're not in the stock market. It's mutual funds. 
you know, and even the Fed's plan, which you very nicely point out <laughs> in the back of your book with the audit from Deloitte in 08, 18,000 participants, 4.2 billion in assets. And I went, I scratched my head when I read that, Barry. I go, wait a minute, that seems high for, for account balances. And then I read your stuff that said, well, yeah, because it keeps missing the stock market meltdowns because 70% of that money, almost $3.1 billion out of 4.2 is all in annuities. <laughs> well, you're going to get a kick out of this this morning. Uh, and I, t- I, uh, uh, I talked to, with Dave Walker, who did the foreword of the book uh, this oh, yeah, morning. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're going to have to take a break, okay? Uh, and you can see on after the break. But I talked to Dave Walker this morning. I said, Dave, I said, uh, you know, and this is a blessing. I mean, God's gifted me. I, I'm a good researcher. I'm not a great salesman, uh, uh, Joe, but... Uh, You're the greatest researcher, Barry. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. So, But anyhow, I started researching this, Joe, and you'd be very... So I said, Dave, I got all this new information, not only from in the U.S., but in the Canada and the U.K., of all these pension uh, plans which are doing it. So uh, I got the green light from uh, Dave today, and uh, I'm okay. going to show you how... Uh, like his forward in the front of that book is very, very, very powerful. And he still, I mean, he, you know, when you realize that, that he was a, a former Comptroller General, Assistant Secretary for Labor and Pension, former public trustee for Social Security and Medicare, but more importantly, he headed up the Pension Benefit Guarantee Court. And a lot of people are not even familiar with what that is, you know, the publicly funded entity that bails out pensions like when GM's pension fail. But literally what the public doesn't realize, even they're as familiar with it, is they bail you out to a point that you only have to eat dog food maybe three or four days a week instead of seven <laughs> days a week. It's not a fix. Yeah, and I think now, now my, I have a sidekick, Will Pierce. Uh, Will, did you have a question for uh, Joe? Hang on, hang on one second. Will Pierce, he's my sidekick. He's my alter ego. Okay, Joe, hang on one second, okay? No problem. Hi, Joe. Um, we have a I'm I'm from uh, Maine, which is right next door to to uh, Portsmouth, where we have this uh, radio station, and um, it's uh, providing for your for your um, your young ones uh, or after after you're dead and gone is uh, it's going to be a little more difficult there. About five years ago, we had 770 people on the waiting list, and uh, now there's uh, 1,800. Yeah, uh, well, in Florida, it's about 10,000. So hmm. feel blessed. <laughs> the problem is there's no money in the system. So the, the the lack of funds, and unfortunately, people with cognitive disabilities is who gets cut first because they're not standing up there speaking for themselves, if you will. And so, you know, all these med waiver programs, if you will, have waiting lists because, and, and the only way to move up that waiting list, it's got to be emergency med waiver. So you have to have a situation where, you know, the child is, is getting violent, is going to hurt the parent or hurt themselves, or it's got to be something like that that you can, you know, at least in Florida, you can move it up the waiting list and, and get immediate assistance if that's the case. But if not, and that's why people just the minute they find out about it, got to get on that waiting list. Mm-hmm. And I wish there was a, a simple fix around that, but there's just not, unfortunately, because there's not enough dollars in the system. And you know, let's face reality, our government is flat broke today. That's why life insurance works so well, because it's backed by the oldest tax exemption in the income tax code, the 700 section of the code. And it'll never disappear out of our income tax code, in my opinion, because the government is broke. And therefore, when you die, they can't take care of your family. And Social Security was always meant to be a supplement. It was never meant to fully retire us. And they also need you to pay tax every time you make a dollar, spend a dollar, use it one time and go back and recreate capital again. And with 7702 and a non-direct recognition where they're not recognizing the loan on whole life, you get to use the same money tax-free and more than once. 
So, um, you know, that's that's a lot of what this tax bill opened up, especially for people that have means, is five things. They can have a state tax protection into perpetuity. They can have income tax protection. They can have creditor protection. All this into perpetuity. They can leverage wealth to their family and charity at every generational level. And I call it a window that was open because the tax bill was just that. It's a window. And it will close. Why? Because taxes go on a pendulum. And right now, you know, the Republicans are in control and they were able to push a tax bill through. But they're not going to stay in control forever. Politics are cyclical. And so... Um, you know, you gotta you gotta get your planning done now, because even this estate tax, this big estate tax limit, you know, who's to say if we have a change in November that they won't change it, right? Just because it says it sunsets 2025 or whatever doesn't mean that's what's actually going to happen in reality. And so, but once your planning's over the line, they can't pull it back across. So that's why people need to take action. There's a sense of urgency today, and. Um, you know that's that's why we're so busy in the practice. This tax bill has just opened up such a window, and it and it's not just for the wealthy. It's for you know the middle class too can take advantage of how this tax because the tax bill was really about getting people to pay more income taxes. It wasn't about estate taxes because they increased the limit. Frankly, the last time we I saw numbers on estate tax, it was twenty six billion collected in two thousand sixteen on a four trillion dollar budget. I mean, it's akin to a pimple on an elephant's behind, and that was before the cost of collection. So it's always been a nuisance tax, anyways. Yeah, and the whole thing is even the the, the Trump thing is uh, uh, it, with the exemption it goes up to eleven point two million now. But it, yeah. but it, but it goes away, Joe, in two thousand twenty six. Yeah, like, well, of course it goes away. But but here's the point, <laughs> Barry. Can you put in writing to me that it's gonna not go away before then? Oh yeah, I mean yeah. I mean, if we get a Democratic House and 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 Cong- uh, Senate and and Congress in uh, in November. <laughs> Who knows what will change, right? And no one's saying that's going to happen, but I'm just saying that politics always swing taxes. I think a tax is a pendulum, and let's face it, personal rates are historical lows. And what runs this country? Income taxes. So we can't operate this way long term. It's impossible. Yeah, you understand that. Hang on. Will Will Pierce has a question for you, Joe. Sure. Hey, Joe, let's say you have your um, uh, loved one in in a uh, – in a home that's partially uh, funded by Medicaid or something, can you still use this trust to uh, to provide for them, or does it have to be completely separate? So, so medi- if you have money in a third-party trust, then that money's outside of the Medicaid system. So, in other words, whatever is you're eligible or not eligible, that's a non-countable asset at that point. So that's the whole reason you use a special needs trust. So if someone has a special needs trust, they're still eligible for Medicaid. That's no, that's that's a, that's a great thing. Now, Joe, I, the, the show's not going to be long enough, but um, I know you would, you were in Colorado a couple weeks ago. and We were talking because yep. I was telling you about uh, revising my book because you buy a lot of copies. I'm I'm grateful. My kids are grateful. Um, but you know, um, I the, and uh, you know it, and I know you. How long have you been in this business? I've been. In, 26 years now. I've been second career. I can't believe I made it 26 in a second career. You know, and um, and thank you for sharing your story, by the way. I never knew about the, the auto dealer thing. Uh, uh, but it's, I, I'm really... School Hard Knocks, the best teacher, my friend. Yeah, best you, teacher. NBA of Hard Knocks. But yeah, that's you, right. You know, I got a master's and a PhD in the School Hard Knocks. <laughs> and I also have a master's and PhD in the Millennial School of Hard Knocks because I raised two of them. Uh, <laughs> so, so what... You know, you and I, we talk, we, you and I could go on all day, but 
what do you think is really wrong with financial planning today? Because everyone, you know, people, you know, I hear other advisors saying, oh, you get 12, 13% of the market. And you and I know it's bunk. I mean, you know, yeah, I'm, I think the problem with, with, with financial planning today, Barry, is real simple. We do as well as we're educated and trained. So I have a lot of friends that are certified financial planners, and they're great people. They come from a place of great intention. But let's talk about what a certified financial planner does. He asks you assets, liabilities. <laughs> income expenses and goals and comes back and says hey barry you need to put five grand more a year away and five percent of the way in and four percent of the way out and you're good <laughs> so let's talk about that for a second so to solve anything takes budget right and with special needs families are strapped you know they're paying for therapies and all this stuff so they're strapped so i like to take the financial pressure off people on the front side so people are either paid by w2 or 1099 it's all the same because there's only three places our income can go and so we're going to talk about a W-2. So when someone gets a W-2 paycheck, the taxes get taken off the top before they ever see it because people don't want to go to prison. And if you don't take taxes out of people's paychecks, you go to prison. So um, so anyways, um, the, the taxes is the first place money goes. The second place money goes, and I've done this for 26 years, as you know, so I've learned a lot. It comes home into people's checking accounts, and they use it to pay their bills. See, I told you I learned a lot. And then the third place it goes, either before they get the check or after it, is some form of savings and investments. So everybody, since the beginning of paychecks, is allocated 100% of every single paycheck. If you have a savings account today and it makes a nickel of interest, we know you have a huge savings account. Why? Because you made a nickel of interest. There's no interest today. But you have three choices with that nickel. You can spend it, put it back in savings, or put it somewhere else. So every one of us under the sun, no matter how much we make, how little we make, how much we put away or how little we put away, all we have is reallocation. Reallocation is if you're saving to bucket A, you could choose to save that exact same money to bucket B. If you have money sitting in bucket A, you can move it to bucket B. But if I said to you, I can solve all your planning concerns for one more dollar of allocation, it's got to come from somewhere you're already parking a dollar. Right? So that takes – it can't cost you one more dime of cash flow to do good planning because you already allocated it all. The, 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 the problem is, is that they're, first they're telling you how much more money to put away, and then they're telling you 5% of the way in and 4% of the way out. Let's talk about averages. They're not real. <laughs> so a dollar doubled is $2 then you're up 100%. But if you lose half year two and half year three, 100 minus 50 minus 50 is zero, divided by three is still zero. The average is zero. And that mutual fund company can go out and say, average return last three years is zero. <laughs> now, math never lies, but liars use math to lie every day. They should not be able to say that because your money went from a dollar to two back to a dollar to 50 cents. You lost half, half your money. So those certified financial plans off of after 08 are not off an inch, they're off miles, and there's no do-overs. You don't get to wake up in the end and go, I don't like how this came out, let me try this one more time. <laughs> that would be called reincarnation as yourself, and I don't know how to do that. So, so people just need to find out how to make the best use of 100% of their cash flow to make good decisions. If it's not good enough at the end of the day, here's your choices. Work longer, retire on less, some combination thereof, because math never lies. So what we did at the Epi Group is I created a proprietary Excel one-page spreadsheet that is a moving, living, functioning, breathing plan. And for our clients, we put it to this, and we model whatever they want to model. They can play with their own thing. And they can say, if I do this, I do this. And we look at cash flows year by year by year. And we have, you know, separate growth rates next to assets and separate uh, inflation rate next to expenses. You can't say inflation is 2% or 3%. You have to look at each expense. And positive cash flow adds to your assets, negative cash flow pool. You bring in Social Security at Social Security age. This software can solve anything in the sense I had a couple in my office a couple years ago. They were spending fifteen grand two years into retirement traveling a year. 
And every time they went away, they had the same conversation. Are we going to run out of money? Are we going to leave anything to our family? Needless to say, they weren't enjoying their traveling. So I put everything to my spreadsheet, and they were right. It was really tight. But then I put in some guaranteed income annuities, and I said to them, and I bumped the travel to 30 and inflated it by 3%, and they were fine. They were going to leave money to their family. They weren't going to run out. And they, I said, you want to know what i got to do to get you from A to B? They said, nope, we don't care. Just get us there because our products bury our bridge. And if you have to drive across a bridge, and you're fine once you cross that bridge, what's the one thing you don't want to happen to your bridge when you drive across it? Fall apart. Right. Well, that's where we collect data from our clients. Once you give us all your data, we can build you the strongest bridge out there that won't collapse because that's all you care about. Your bridge doesn't – you don't care what kind of bridge it is. But as salespeople, how are we trained? Vomit product knowledge all over people. People <laughs> don't care. Right? They care about solving their issues. So our success has is, is come from helping families who one day want to maintain lifestyle, do not want to have to maintain employment. Along the way, they worry about protecting their families, including their children's education, and some even lose some sleep. The income that makes all that possible could disappear from an unforeseen illness or injury. Now, I can't tell you, Barry, my clients avoid the bad things, a lawsuit, a market correction, a real estate correction, an illness or injury, or God forbid that premature death. But I can tell you their plans come out the way they want because you can't predict any of this stuff. You can only prepare for all of it. Yeah. That's it. It's yeah. that simple. Now, also, Joe, too, is that um, you have a great uh – I don't know if you know my friend Mark Pollock, who runs the, the uh, Giving Back Fund, but uh, uh, he uh, uh, he's a great guy out in Los Angeles. But uh, you, on your website, you have a uh, great Winston Churchill quote, uh, we make a living by what we get, but uh, we make a life by what we give. Yeah. The Epi Group is really involved w with local charities and um, yeah. uh, in, in the Fort Lauderdale area, am I correct? And uh, could you tell yeah, us a little we're, about we're very that? My, my, my whole family. So uh, this started with my grandparents. My grandparents were my role model in life. My grandfather's portraits in my office. He taught me everything about values and principle. I'll never forget the day he sat me down and said, listen, I'm giving you a great name. Do not screw it up. <laughs> so uh, I took that very seriously. But uh, So, the, so the, the example was set as a young age by my grandparents and then by my parents. And literally, um, my kids have taken it all to new heights. So. Yeah, know, running yeah. running charitable organizations and you know being you know the president of certain you know whether it's a federation or it's uh, United Way you know we're just very very involved in the community because you know what that's what life's really about is family and making a difference leaving this world a little better than you are and you know I've almost died twice and I can tell you that if I didn't have a purpose it probably would have taken me. And I used to always call me those God gravity moves because usually they happen right about the time I'm thinking about cutting back on what I'm doing philanthropically and stuff. And like God slams me to the pavement and goes, yeah, no, you really weren't thinking that. <laughs> because, you know, we are really all born with a purpose. And and, and uh, this education reform, as I, I really do believe it's why I was born. We want to you know, get seven pillars into education in this country. The first one is financial, and that's everything we've talked about today. Yeah. But we also want to get communication skills, yeah. relationship skills. As I mentioned earlier, you know, the ability to be kind to your fellow man. The fifth thing we want to teach college students is how to be on boards and committees and, you know, make a difference in the community. We also want them to understand the responsibility of the environment, whether you believe in global warming or not, it's not the issue. But the last two pillars of education we've got to get into our system is the Constitution and governance. Because in the last two political cycles, $2.2 billion has been spent convincing us that politicians represent our best interests when clearly they don't. So people need to understand the Constitution and governance before they're going to figure out on their own who really does represent them. 
So until we get these seven pillars back into society of education, I, I don't think we fix anything. And, and when I say anything, I'm talking about the religious hatred, the cultural hatred, the political hatred, the social divide, you know, the, all this hatred going on in this country. You know, it's got to stop. It's really horrible. Hey, Joe, could you share, you know, uh, and I've, you know, it's just funny. I've been in this business a long time. You know, I've, I don't know how many claims you paid up, but I paid over 57 out, if you can believe it. I, uh, uh, but um, uh, could you tell an example of, uh, and obviously you don't want to uh, withhold the name, you want to withhold the names, but how, how a special needs uh, trust has, has helped like some of your clients, uh, either current or past? Sure. So, so special needs trust, look, it's like all planning, but I have, I have, in, in the special needs world, I've only paid, uh, uh, fortunately, only out uh, so far two death claims. Um, but you know, everything is going on for yeah. those families the way you know the the caregiver wanted it to go on because of the planning. What I can tell you about these death claims are, as I, you know, I mentioned, what I've never heard when I deliver a check. But here's here's what I can really tell you about taking someone through that end of life stuff because I've. You know, I've probably delivered a uh, hundred death claims in my career, um, but what I would say is that that um, it's an honor and a privilege, and you yeah. have to find the humor and the pleasure in it because eventually it's over with, and you're going to regret very deeply that you don't get to deal with that anymore. One of my dear, dear friends lost both his parents within six months to cancer in their seventies, and he's still not really over his mom passing away, and. When I'm dealing with, you know, my parents or anything, and it's a little frustrating or anything, I just think about my my best friend and how he would give anything to still get to deal with that. So, you know, wherever it's at, if you're dealing with any situation, if it's up at the top, it's only going to go downhill from there. In other words, health-wise, it doesn't get better, right? But you really do have to find it's an honor and a privilege to take, you know, a loved one down this path. It really is, and you have to view it that way. And if you do, it it's still painful, you know, and... Um, I know, you know I've lost several family members to cancer. When you're dealing with in your own family, it's harder than helping others through it. But, but it's still the same process. You know, you have to you have to look at the positive in things, and because you're not going to change what's happening. So, you know, you do the best, and you make the person as comfortable as possible. But, you know, they'll do some silly things along the way. And you got to really find the humor and the pleasure in that stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, it is. It is. It, you know, and I've I've settled a bunch of states myself, and it is a. It's a privilege. I mean, um, and um, it's, it's it's a gift. Uh, it, it's not easy stuff. We're in, like I said before, we're in the most noblest of professions, and, and I couldn't think of anything else, you know, better to do in this world to make a difference than what we do in our industry. Because look, when when money needs to be created or cash needs to be provided in the most difficult of times, there's no other products that provide it like ours do. And by the way, um, I don't, are you familiar with the the Ralph Roberts claim? Remember, I wrote. I, you're a big uh, fan of my uh, uh, book, The Guaranteed Income. But remember, I, I put in the proxy statements where uh, it was disclosed uh, that uh, Brian Roberts, who's the CEO of um, NBC Universal and Comcast, okay, one of the wealthiest men in America, and his father Ralph had like 223 and 125 million dollars in life insurance, respectively. Well, um, Malcolm Forbes. Yeah, Malcolm Forbes died with over two hundred million of life insurance. Now, how do you think Steve ran for president? That was off a of life insurance proceeds. And our friend uh, Dave Ramsey, where yeah. do you think all his wealth came from? That, that slams life insurance every day. It came from death benefit from his father's policies. Oh, okay. I mean, who's kidding who here? Well, well, now, now get this because we put in this in the next book, uh, Joe. You get a kick out of this. 
You know what the you know what the pay, life payout was on uh, Ralph Roberts, uh, who was the, actually the founder of Comcast up in Philadelphia. You know what it was? How much? It was over three hundred twenty million, and Bloomberg says it was close to four hundred million. Wow, that's huge! And think about this, Barry. You in your <laughs> first book, Pirates of Manhattan, disclosed that at that time the chairman of Comcast was having three and a half million dollars of whole life premium put to a split dollar plan. As you know, that public split dollar has to be disclosed publicly through yeah. public corporations. You know, what's the cash value of that? There's seventy-three billion backs your entire economy today. You know, it, there's trillions in cash value life insurance. Wait, we have seventy-three billion back. If you can think about it, Ben Bernanke when he retired, what did he say? U.S. economy strongest economy in the world. We had fifty billion in reserves backing the economy at that time. Except he didn't. He, he and the only reason that's factual is because the world's the crappiest in neighborhoods and one of the only nice house left. But he didn't tell you what it backed. It was backing nine trillion in U.S. savings and three hundred trillion in derivatives at that time. Clearly, fifty billion doesn't back up. Three hundred nine trillion. So, if one or two banks fail, your FDIC insurance is great for two fifty. But let the economy fail, you're going to get about two and a half cents back on two fifty. And read the fine print; they have twenty years to pay you back. You know, so um... it's kind of scary. But but nowhere do you see this being disclosed to the public that that we're really you know there's no way we can bail out our economy with with seventy three billion in reserves. There's no way. It's, it's, yeah, you got trillions sitting in cash value life insurance. You know about banks, Barry. They got to keep money in tier one operating capital, cash or cash equivalents. By law, the most they're allowed to have disclosed in your book is twenty five percent. They're all maxed. They'd have a hundred percent if they're allowed. It's why Volcker inverted interest rates in nineteen eighty and made the one year Treasury higher than the ten and caused hyperinflation. Why? Because the banks need you to put that money in the bank today so they can give you twenty or forty basis points so they can make four to six percent long term interest in whole life insurance. Yeah, yeah, and and the fu- the funny thing, Joe. And by the way, I'm going to be giving the updated numbers on that. So, it's you know, it's do as I say, not as I do. And uh, you know, it's a uh, and and that's, it amazes me. And 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 when I look at some like executives, like <laughs> uh, you know, what they what you'll this will be uh, disclosed, Joe. But with uh, uh, with some of these executives who actually destroyed these companies, like GE. Oh, yeah. still walk away with the $84 million annuity. I mean, it's just... Uh, oh, it's, it's insane what's in those plans. That's why people, everybody needs to read that guarantee. I think that guaranteed income book, and I'm trying to do that at Ohio State, I'm trying to get them to make that mandatory reading before you can graduate. Mandatory. Everybody needs to read that book, and I'll tell you something else everybody needs to understand. It's to fund the pre-tax side of the 401k until you can get it to about hundred grand and let that grow on its own to five, 700000 by the time you retire and put everything else on Roth. Because if you can take pre-tax money, I win bets with accountants all the time. If you can take pre-tax <laughs> money out of your 401k at 32000 or less per year, after the $24,000 standard itemized deduction this year, you got eight grand of income, you pay no tax. And then you owe no tax on your Social Security. Joe. But if you got all this money coming out of qualified in the end, which is where most people's money is going to come from, they're going to pay tax on that and tax on their Social Security. So if, if a doctor wants three hundred grand a year to retire on, and they're banging pre-tax, pre-tax, and they're going to get 60 in Social Security. And in Florida, we don't pay state or city income tax. So just on a federal basis, they'd have to take 400 out of qualified plus 60 Social Security and net 300. But if you have 60 Social Security, 32 per thousand coming from your pre-tax 401k without paying tax on it, and your other 208 comes from Roth and Whole Life, you're, you have 300 gross, 300 net. But people need to understand this before they graduate. Can't wait till you're 50 years old to start trying to figure that stuff out. It's too late. 
Well, Joe, let's keep pushing back the frontiers of ignorance. I'm sorry, sorry we've come to the end of our show. Let's keep in touch, my friend. How can okay. people find find out more about you, Joe? Yep. Uh, go to our website, www.epigroup.com, or you can call our office uh, toll-free nationally, 888-563-3779. I do not charge fees, so, you know, the, the opening conversations uh, – you know, and all the all the advice I can give you is not going to cost you any money. And um, you know, if you have questions about special needs planning, you got questions about uh, the new tax bill and how you can take advantage of it, you know, please call our office. And Barry, Joe, uh, absolutely, stay in touch, my friend, and I'll be glad to come back on your show anytime you want me to. God bless, Joe. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. This has been The Economic Warrior with your host, Barry James Dyke. Broadcast live at WSCA Portsmouth Community Radio. Engineered by Phil Kleiger. If you have any questions about today's show or need an ally in conquering the battleground of finance, contact the warrior himself at barryjamesdyke.com. Who are the warriors?